Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. I, uh, I, I'm really delighted uh, to be able to come back. Anytime you get invited back to preach someplace, you feel pretty good about that. You understand that? And uh, this morning, uh, we, we've really enjoyed uh, your little apartment back there. I wouldn't call that a little apart- apartment at all. Uh, Sandy and I could live there for, for a little while. Can we stay a couple of weeks? I'd be all right with you all. <laughs> I was born and raised in, uh, down by Cincinnati, just east of it, and we, we're going to go see some family tomorrow and come back. But um, I got up this morning, and, and I'm always worried about Sandy and her clothes, and of course she had her clothes and everything, and when you get my age, you forget all kinds of things. <laughs> and so I went to the closet, and I didn't see my suit anywhere. And I thought, oh boy, this could be exciting. And Sandy said, well, surely you've left it in the car. I said, I don't know. I don't hardly remember who you are some days. Amen? You, you, know, some, you know, I'm in my 70s now, and I'm just not as sharp as I used to be. And, uh, and, and so it was such a relief to go to the car and realize the suit was in the car, because I was going to have to call Pastor. <laughs> I was going to have to call Pastor and say, wow, what do you got that I could wear in this place? <laughs> so so these, these things happen. But uh, thank you for inviting us back again. Uh, we, we do enjoy coming, and we do enjoy uh, helping young pastors like yours and his wife. That is, that is our goal. Forty-five years ago, I went to Chillicothe, Ohio, and I established the Liberty Baptist Temple down there. And I was there five years. And it broke my heart when God moved me to St. Louis, but God moved me. But that church still exists today. And when we started that church, we were in the basement of a bank, and uh, I did it all. I led the singing, I opened the doors, I cleaned the building, I shut the doors, and did it all. Knocked on all the doors, did it all by myself, and God raised up a church that is still there today. And we're very grateful for that. And, and been back several times to preach to them, and that's always a, a special blessing to go back you know, where you, where you first started out, you know, where you cut your teeth spiritually. And I, and I don't mind telling you, I feel sorry for those folks now as I think back on all the mistakes that I made. But I was so willing to just do everything and to just do it all if necessary. And uh, I was young and I had my strength, but the day came when I didn't have that strength and I began to feel it as I got towards 60. I began to feel it. You can't keep running like this. And uh, so, so God put it into our hearts to, to give the church a 10-year plan, and we worked with them for 10 years and passed the baton off when we turned 70. And we're given the next 10 years of our lives, uh, it's only about eight years now, uh, with Worldview Ministries. We got involved with uh, Dr. Fielder back in the early uh, 2000s, I think it was 99 or 2000. And so we've been involved in this Bible thing, trying to get the translations done and, and, and out to the world. And so finally the Lord let us jump off into it full-time, and that trip to India was, was our first one in, and it was a real splash, wasn't it, Pastor? That was an exciting time, and um, it's, an, it's, a, it's an encouraging place to go. It's an encouraging thing to do. I'll be doing a missions conference next, uh, next month, and we have Brother 
Brother Overton is coming, he and his wife, and they're going to do some music and be with us in that meeting. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to reuniting with him and uh, his wife and what they've been doing, what, what, uh, what uh, the Lord is up to. So we just appreciate your pastor's friendship, appreciate being able to come and uh, to, to just be with you this morning and share God's Word and, and uh, help you with it. I've called the preacher here almost every week to find out how things were going. I even called Brother Fielder and I said, what did you preach? Because I don't want to go in there and preach something that somebody else has to preach. And when you're the last guy, you know, there's a real chance that somebody's preached your message for you. And uh, I remember when we went to the field, we went to, to uh, India, and uh, Brother Fielder put me first. And I thought, well, I don't quite like that, but it's a good thing because those guys can't steal my message from me. And so I was the first one, and it was a real special blessing to be able to go back there, go there, and I would go back in a heartbeat if I could go, but they won't allow us to come just yet. So this morning, I thought, I thought leading up to this meeting, I had an, another sermon when I talked to, the, to your pastor, and, I, and I, I thought about that sermon, and I thought, no, that's not what I should do. And then the Lord showed me this, and, and I said, well, yeah, I really want to do that, and, but I want to do some of that. And so the Lord said, well, you can just make a combination of those two sermons. So I'm going to give you two sermons in one. Will that be all right? We're going to have to really get after it here, but find the book of, uh, book of Acts, chapter number 9, if you will. And uh, I, I, I've estimated that I've had the opportunity to speak at least 7,000 times. And it never gets old. And I never want to stop preaching. And uh, I, I want to be able to preach and to preach and to preach. I had a young, there's a young man, and my, uh, some of my ministry is, are, is, is to these younger pastors because they really, they really need us older guys to help them and encourage them. And, and back in, in uh, 1976, we went to fellowship meetings of all stripes. Pastors just went together. We went to their meetings, and they came to our meetings, but we don't do much of that anymore. We've, we've kind of be, become real, you know, inclusive in our church settings, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm excited. I've never been in the Baptist temple, and I'm excited about going over there tonight, and uh, I know Pastor Siler's son very well. He's come and done some music for us a time or two, so I'm just looking forward to being able to go over there. We also have a lady in our church there that her mom and dad were deaf, and they were a part of that church. And, and so, I, you know, you know the, it, was, it was called the Dayton Baptist Temple back then, and then Cornerstone and the temple, you know, merged together. So I'm excited about going over there, and we were, I just told, told Chris, we're, we're going. We, we want to go with you tonight. Let me encourage you to go. I'm confident that it will be a real rich blessing to you and a real encouragement to, to, to your hearts. And then let me say this. Try to keep the preacher from working himself to death around here, okay? Yeah. Hello. Hello. Try to keep your pastor from working himself to death because he'll work himself to death because I did the very same thing. And the day comes when you run out of strength and you know it. <laughs> it's a terrible thing when it happens. But then after you get, get out of the ministry, uh, pastoral ministry, and you get to come around like this, it's like, hey, this feels pretty good. I still get to do what I love and I still get to go to church and I still get to be with God's people and I still get to encourage them. And that is my whole goal this morning with you in this mission month that you've been having. And I just think it's wonderful. We did, what we would do is we would do some, we would do like a Saturday night meeting and then three meetings on Sunday. And then we would do a Wednesday night missions. 
and then we would do another maybe Saturday night, and then all day, the, the, and, and we would end it on Sunday night of the second week. So we did it all in two weeks, and we had, it was just a mission week that was just jam-packed with everything, and it was, it was just the, it was the highlight of the year at our place to come to the mission time, and it, and it was just, it was just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. And so, so I get excited about these kinds of meetings. Now, I want to speak to you from one verse of Scripture that is in chapter 9 and verse number 6, okay? And, but what I want to do with it is I want you to go back with me to chapter number 7, and I want you to think with me um, about verse number, let me find myself, verse number 58 of chapter 7. And I want you to see, this is the, this is the stoning of Stephen. When I first decided to serve the Lord and really follow Him, I took on a junior boys Sunday school class, and this was my first Sunday school lesson. I'd never stood in front of anybody. I'd never taught a lesson. I'd never done anything. And uh, I, I had 30 minutes to teach junior boys. I had 16 of them, and it took me 10 minutes to teach it. And the guy who was working with me had to fill in for me after that. But it was all about the stoning of Stephen. And what we see in verse 58, it says, They cast him out of the city and stoned him, meaning Stephen. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was what, church? Saul. Saul of Tarsus is what we know him by later to be Paul the Apostle, okay? And so what we're seeing here is we're seeing Paul, Saul in his beginning, and then we see Paul in his ending when this message is finished today. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at there, that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. It says in verse uh, 2 that devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every, every house, hailing men and women and committing them to prison. And he was, he was literally trying to destroy this church that had just begun and had just been filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and they were going everywhere trying to preach the Word of God, and it was creating a terrible uproar. And the religious crowd of the day, the Sauls of Tarsus, the, 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 you know, these, these spiritual people were trying to put a stop to it. And let me say this. I think that attempt's been made once again on America. Now, I'm not going to get off into that. That's a whole other message. But I think there's been a great attempt to stifle the church, to hold us down. And we need to rise up against all of that. We need to stand our ground even if it costs us. Now, that's enough of that. Amen? Chapter number 9. So we come to chapter number 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings. He continued is what that's, that's saying to us. Threatenings and slaughter, literally murder, against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, even in Damascus, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. <laughs> and something big's about to happen. He doesn't know it. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. 
And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now think about this. He falls to the earth. He hears a voice. He can't see, but he can hear the voice. Saul, Saul, meaning I want your attention, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? I want to ask you this question. How did he know it was the Lord? Read on with me. And the Lord said, I am. I am. This is the great I am speaking, church. I am Jesus. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, <laughs> Paul, Saul, at this point, trembling and astonished, I think I would be doing the same, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, here's the faith, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now I want you to think about that because Saul had his band of men with him. He is going to persecute the church and hail Christians down and kill them and murder them and, and put them in prison if he can to stop the church from growing. But when he finally, fully, and completely meets and knows and understands the Lord, he changes his heart. Amen. And that's what happens to us. That's, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit of God does to us. That's what the reading of the Word of God can do to us. That is how it is when God comes to us and God speaks to us and God says, I'm the Lord. I am the one you've been seeking for. I was a, I was a young boy, 13 years of age, and I prayed down in Cincinnati as I went up the stairs of our home one day. We had 17 steps up and we lived in the upper two floors and my dad rented the first floor out. And I said, God... If there really is a heaven, and if you really do exist, then I'd like to know how to get there, because if there really is a hell, I want to avoid that as well. And a man named Jonathan Lee, who was a Greyhound bus driver, and came with the preacher and invited our family to First Baptist Church of Milford, Ohio, and we went to First Baptist Church of Milford, Ohio, and for the first time, I heard there was a Savior. I heard that somebody had died for my sins. I understood for the very first time and the Spirit of God was speaking to my heart and dealing with me and working with me in a way that I'd never been worked with before. And, I, and I, the invitation was given and they were singing, Just As I Am. And, and, and I, I looked over at my father, four, 37 years old, he stepped out and he went down to the altar and I thought, wow, this is really good. And my, my stepmother, my parents had been divorced and my father was remarried and, and, and I was living with them. And, and she walked over and touched me on the shoulder and she said, Howard, wouldn't you like to get saved? And I said, I would. And down that aisle I went. And when I got there, Brother Rice met me and he said, Howard, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd ask Jesus to save you, he would. And I said, Jesus saved me and he did. Amen, glory, hallelujah. I mean, it, it excited me to no end. I had found what I was looking for, but didn't know where it was. That's what's happening to Saul of Tarsus. He's come face to face with his maker. Face to face. 
And he looks at him and he says, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And that's the title of my message today. What would the Lord have you to do? Amen. What would the Lord have you to do? And you should ask yourself that question this morning in my mind. As you look at this missions thing, listen, listen, I've been through this for four and a half decades now. And, I, and I've been there. I've sat where you sit. I, I sat in Bible college and I was working at General Motors at night and they're preaching and I'm thinking, man, it's all I can do to keep a roof over my family's head. It's all I, it's all I can do to, to pay my tuition at college. It's all I can do to take care of my, my kids. And I already tithe and give to the church and I, I'm trying to be faithful about that. And now you want me to give the missions on top of it? And God just said to me, son, don't you think if I could do all this for you, that I could do even more if necessary. And it just got a hold of my heart one day that everything I have belongs to him anyway, amen? I mean, the very breath that I'm breathing right now is his. The only reason I function up here and walk around and I'm able to stand here and preach for you and be with you folks, and, 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 and listen, we so enjoyed the fellowship yesterday. Just so, and we, we taught everybody yesterday what a gameologist was, amen? We got that all straightened out, didn't we? That's a little, if you weren't here, that's private, okay? You don't, you don't, get, you don't get in on that. So, so here is the Saul of Tarsus. He's going there to persecute the church. He's been persecuting the church. He stood and held their coats while they stoned Stephen. And he's, he's, he's hailing people everywhere, and he meets God on the way to Damascus face to face, and he's blinded. And it's, it's, just, it's just the most amazing thing. And he was rebellious. I mean, he was, he was against anything that had to do with God's church. And so here we are as we, as we look at this passage of Scripture. He said, Lord, 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 what would you have me to do? Lord, Lord God, Jehovah Jireh, God, what would you have me to do? And I just love what God says. He says, just arise. Go into the city, and it'll be told thee what thou must do. Just obey, trust me, have some faith, and just believe who I am and allow me to just show you what the way is. And I, and I believe this morning, anything about this faith promise thing, you start with prayer. Lord, what do Sandy and I do? How, how much is it, Father, that you want us to do this year? for faith promise. And it's between us and him. And it's between you and him this morning. And, and you, they're not asking you to sign this card in any way, as far as I can tell. And, and all I want to help you to understand this morning is this, is to just ask yourself the question, what would God have me to do? Okay? And let me just say this, if you're not a member of the church, this message is not for you. And you say, well, why did I bother to come? Well, I think you'll enjoy what you see from God's word. So let's get right into it, okay? I'd like to share some things with you about this statement that Saul of Tarsus made. Lord, what would thou have me to do? The Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and it will be told thee what thou must do. I believe at that moment in his life, he was acknowledging a heart of humility to the Lord. That's what I believe is happening. And that's what we need to be in our lives. We just need to have a heart of humility. Lord, it's everything I have you gave me anyway. It's not mine. You gave it to me. You gave me the strength. You gave me the education. You gave me the understanding. You've helped me to have what I have. What would you have me to do? 
And so I am submitting myself to you in regard to this offering that we're making for missions this year. And I believe this morning that this Saul of Tarsus, who was a Pharisee of the Jews, a man of authority, is surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was a life-changing event. It really was. And I believe that as you get involved in missions, it's life-changing, it's altering in your, in your world and in your, in your family and in your marriage and in your situation, and you see how the Lord works. He, Saul said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. Saul said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise, in other words, have faith, go into the city, and I will show you what you should do. Now, I want you to think about this word. We've seen this word Lord here, okay? We see it. We say, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise. What does that word Lord mean? And I think we should understand that if we can. The word Lord here was the normal address of respect in everyday Greek language. It was also the title and the authority that distinguished between a master and his slave. He was the Lord and a slave. The slave was under his Lord. And that's, that's where we are. We call him Lord Jesus, okay? I love the Lord. He's my master. He's the one who guides me. He's the one who leads me. The word Lord here also is used to describe absolute possession and ownership. Let me help us all to understand something very clearly today. God owns everything. He owns everything you have. He, has, he owns everything I have. He created me. He put me on this earth. He allowed me to be who I am. He's given me what I have. And everything that I have, everything that I am is because of him. He's my Lord. And he's your Lord. And he's their Lord if they're serving him. And that's how we should approach this whole thing. It all belongs to him anyway. Thirdly, I want you to see it was the common term for an emperor of Rome. I want you to see that it comes from the, the, the Greek word, the Bible word, kurios, which was translated as the word used for Israel's God. And then finally, the word Lord here, Paul is referring to the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He, is, he was referring to him as his Lord. He was referring to him as his master. He was referring to him as his emperor. He was referring to him as his everything, as his guardian of life. And that's exactly what Jesus ought to mean to us today. And I ask you this question. Is he the Lord of your life? Because he has given you a will. And you can refuse to serve him. Is he the Lord of your life? Is he, is he everything that you look to? Is he everything in your world and in your family's life and in, 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 in all that, that you are. Um, I think we should look at this just a little bit briefly if we can. Nature and earth re recognized that um, Christ was Lord. Um, the, 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 you remember the, remember the Bible reading where Jesus is asleep on the back of the ship and they're out on the Sea of Galilee and a storm rises up and they're doing everything and finally they go to him and they wake him up. Master! Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he rises from his sleep and he says, peace be still. There's perfect calm. That's who we're talking about, amen. Remember the maniac of Gadara? I've been to where the maniac of Gadara um, uh, was, was supposed to have been in, in this particular place. And it's a very mountainous area. But anyway, here comes this maniac of Gadara and, he, and he's a wild man and he meets Jesus. And the next thing we know, Scripture says, he's sitting in his right mind, and he has clothes on. 
Only Jesus Christ can do that. The Lord of his life. You see, I, I'm trying to help you to see that, that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is master over everything. He's master over the rolling, raging sea. He's master over sickness. He's, he's master over COVID. I want you all to know that. Don't have fear in this whole thing. Folks, listen to me today. Listen to me today. We serve the risen Savior who is at the Father's right hand today, who is coming again, and He could come before we're finished this morning. I mean, He could come now, and I wish He would. He's in control of this whole world. Let me, let me help you to understand. Yeah, we've been through a pandemic. Yes, it's very contagious. I understand it. But he's still Lord of the pandemic. He's still in control of the world. Nothing has taken God by surprise. My pastor said to me one day, he said, Howard, you know even God can see around corners. I thought, man, that's a great thought. Man, when, I, when I'm going down the road and I don't know what's left, he knows. Amen. He's in total charge. He's in total control of all of these things. He said to his disciples, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say over in the Gospel of Luke? I mean, it's just a, it's just a wonderful thing. Paul wrote later in Scripture, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things of earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Amen. I can get excited about this stuff. Man. Ooh. Let's get up and run around. Amen. Here's something else I'd like for you to see about this question. Lord, what would thou have me to do? I think it was, it was Saul of Tarsus' expression of a surrendered heart to the Lord. In this moment, Saul of Tarsus, the enemy of the church, the murderer of the church, surrendered it all to Jesus Christ, the one he was persecuting. Think about it. Surrendered it all. Turned it completely over. You know, he, his, his, his attitude changed. He went from persecuting the church to preaching for the church. Think about that. He was persecuting. Now he is preaching to the church. He is, you read this chapter, you get the rest of this chapter. He, he starts preaching Christ so much that they have to let him down over the wall in Damascus in a basket and escape because they're trying to kill him now because he's preaching. But it came from a surrendered heart to the Lord God of heaven, and he is now edifying the church. I, I, this is what I wrote down in my notes. In one decisive moment, he outwardly surrendered the rest of his life and his will to Jesus Christ all the way to Rome and the guillotine. He laid his head down on that guillotine. He said, I'm coming home, Lord. It's not going to be long now. And about that time, that guillotine, poof, chopped his head off. And he was face to face with the one he persecuted. Glory to God. Glory to God. He surrendered. He surrendered unreserved, unfaltering, total allegiance to the will of God for the rest of his earthly life. I remember, I was 22 years old. My father drowned in the Ohio River. I was called to preach at 16 
at his funeral service. I've never forgotten it. The Spirit of God spoke to me as plainly as I'm speaking to you. I was sitting on the front row. My dad's older brother was sitting next to me, and my little brother, who was only about six at the time, was on his lap. And our preacher was, was talking. My dad was a builder, and he was building the new Sunday school wing for the church. And we're, we're right in the middle of that thing, and he dies. And so he said, he said the preacher was talking, and he said, he said, uh, he said, yeah, he said, Howard came to my office the other day and he stood in the, and the, he had his arm on my, the, the, the post of the, my door and he was telling me that, that, that Doug, sitting on my uncle's lap, that Doug here had told him that when he grew up, you know, like five and six-year-old boys, we're going to be a fireman or we're going to be a policeman. When I grow up, I'm going to be a preacher. I've asked my little brother about that. He said, I don't even remember it. And at that moment, at that very moment when the preacher said that, the Holy Spirit of God whispered in my heart and in my soul and in my spirit, it's not Doug I want, it's you. It scared me to death and I wanted nothing to do with it. And I ran from it. I ran from it. I stayed away from it as far and as long as I could until finally at 22 years of age, I got so miserable spiritually. I got, I got in such a way I ran to it. Amen. And that's what we're talking about here. Just, just, just literally an unreserved, unfaltering, total allegiance to the will of God for the rest of his life. And that's what he did all the way to Rome. What an amazing trip. The third thought that came about this was, I thought this was rather interesting. Um, uh, uh, for 42 and a half years, I pastored the church and then I retired from the pastorate. I didn't retire from ministry. But that had, been, that had been my life. That had been my career. That was absolutely everything that I had ever done for more than four decades. It's all I wanted to do. I loved the pastorate. I, I loved what God was doing. I loved the people. I still love the people. I still love what they do. I still want to be a part of them. But I know better because I don't have the strength any longer physically. But then God said, well, you can be involved in worldview ministries as well. And so years ago, I began to talk to Brother Ken, and I began to talk to Dr. Keene, and I said, I'm very interested in doing what you guys are doing. Brother Ken surrendered his church. Dr. Keene surrendered his church. And, and so God has opened the door for a new ministry. And what I want you to see here with me is simply this, is that when, when God saved Saul of Tarsus, this Pharisee, trained under the great Gamaliel, this Saul of Tarsus, a Roman citizen, and God would use that citizenship later, this man who was very trained and knew the Word of God well, God saved him, gave him a brand new, a brand new, different... <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like daylight and dark for him. I guess it was dark and daylight for him. And for the rest of his life, he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I think that's such a wonderful thing. And here's what I want to ask you this morning, if I can. Have you chosen a cause? in which to invest your time and your energies and your financial resources in. And I cannot think of anything. I cannot think of any place greater and better and more of an investment than in this local church and in this matter of worldwide evangelization. Missions. I, lo I love it. What, what's, what's, what's missing in uh, mission up there? I am. I like it. I am missing. Well, I'm not missing anymore because I left the pastorate with his blessings and I'm in missions now. And I'm excited about 
what God is doing. Amen. Don't get excited, folks. I love to have a good time in church. Have you figured that out yet? I like to laugh. I like to cut up. I like to enjoy life. I really do. Someone has said that a dollar invested in a New Testament church will rise higher, sink deeper, spread wider, go farther, and last longer than a, do- a dollar invested in any other institution on earth. We, uh, we put a little money aside through the years, and uh, our uh, uh, young man that worked with me at the church, uh, I, he came on board to do our music. He was working in the Christian school and, uh, at where our daughter went to school, and we became neighbors. We were just three doors apart. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, but, but he... Uh, he, he, he taught in the Christian school, but then he, had one, he was a financial planner. You know, he, he planned for people's futures, and he helped them make investments. And so, so uh, but he's a great music man. I mean, tremendous music director. And, and so anyway, uh, he came on board with us just in a part-time way, 30 hours a week or so. And, and, and he worked with me for all that time. He's still the music director at the church. But he has this financial planning business as well. And so he, he said to me, he said, what have you got invested? And I said, well, I've got this little bit over here. And he said, well, you want to talk about it? I said, sure, let's talk about it. And so he helped me there, and then we began to add to it. And then the church started doing something for me monthly. They, they began to grow that every year. And so, so finally we got to this place called retirement, and the kids are all raised, and the college tuitions are over, and the weddings are over. So it's just me and Mom, amen. And so I'm in my retirement, and he comes and he, to see me, and he sits down with me. He says, here's your portfolio. Here's the money that you have. And, uh, you know, it's not a ton of money, but this is what he said to me. I got so tickled with him. He said, you and Sandy ought to spend it all before you die. And I thought, glory to God, we'll do just that. Amen. Amen. I kid our kids, our, all four of our kids, they, they, they don't have a financial worry in the world, and I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Dad, spend it all. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. Do whatever you want to do if you can. Okay. And, 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 and so, so I think that's wonderful. So, so I, I, I tell them, we're going to spend it all, and then you all... You all can sell the house, and whatever's left there, you can, you can split that between yourselves. Amen? You, 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 you're probably glad you came this morning, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh, they took all of our money growing up, right? I mean, come on, folks. Yeah. What time do I need to be done, preacher? What time do you want me to be done? I, I don't want to keep everybody here all day. Oh, really, I do, but I don't want to. Let me talk to you briefly about what I call the three biblical offerings, okay? You ever studied your Bible and just looked at the offerings in the Bible? I have. (laughs) Well, you're a preacher. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, I'd like to remind you this morning that when God created the universe and this earth, it was a combined effort of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit of God, the Trinity. Isn't that great? And the greatest treasure that God ever gave to this world and to every one of us was his most treasured possession, his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Second person of the Trinity. When Jesus came to this earth, he wasn't just any human being. He was God incarnate, God in the flesh, God in human form. Well, God so loved the world, human beings, that he gave what, church? His only begotten son. That's why he sent Jesus here. He brought Jesus into this world as a baby. Moses came in as a baby. God used him mightily. Jesus came in as a baby.
but he was God. Moses parted the sea, but Jesus died for the sin of the world. Amen. It's an exciting thing when you think about what God did and what God is still doing. We see here in chapter 2, verse 11 of the book of Matthew, And when they were come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his, his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Did you notice? They came, they bowed down, and they worshipped him. They worshipped him. And every time you bring your offering to the Lord, you are worshipping him. Notice that it, it says that they brought him gold. How were Mary and Joseph going to make it in a world that was controlled by the Roman government? That would be against this child. They tried to kill this baby before it was born. They, they tried to destroy him before he came. How would that happen? They brought him gold. It doesn't say how much, but they brought him gold. Notice with me that it says frankincense. That is a gift for deity. And then it says they brought him myrrh, three offerings, a, a spice for a man who would die. Think on that a little bit. So... What I want you to see with me this morning is this, is that God has given each of us the gift of faith. For by grace are you saved through what? Can you say it with me? Faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The free, gratis gift of God. God gave us a wonderful gift in salvation and eternal life. When I said to him, Jesus, save me, he did. And he has saved me. He, he's been with me all these years, and he's with me today. And it's as exciting today as it was then, maybe, maybe more exciting than ever before. Now, what I want you to see with me this morning very quickly, if I can, is to help you to understand about the offerings. I believe there are three offerings biblically. I think the first biblical offering is the tithe, okay? I think the second biblical offering, as you study scriptures, is what I would call the building fund offering, okay? And then I think the third offering that, that God wishes and wants and desires to use is the faith offering, okay? Now, the first one, the tithe, is a predetermined gift. It says, bring you all the tithes, meaning more than one, into the storehouse, Malachi teaches us. And, and so there, there's more than one. When, when uh, the children of Israel got out into the wilderness and they needed a place to worship, they needed a place, they, they called it the tabernacle. Later in David's day, in Solomon's day, they called it the temple. And if you just follow the scriptures through, and I've, I have followed all of this, and this is another day and another sermon, and someday maybe I'll come back and share some of it with you, and, that, and that's fine. But, but when they, they're in the wilderness, the children of Israel are in the wilderness, and if you, read, if you read about the children of Israel, when they're trying to shove, Pharaoh's trying to shove them out of Egypt, they stuffed those Jewish people with everything. I mean, I mean the, the Bible says they just, they just took it with them. And so they're out in this wilderness. And when, when, Moses, when God gives Moses the command to build the tabernacle and all of the things, man, he's, he talks about scarlet and gold and red and purple and all these. They had all this stuff in the wilderness. And so they presented it all to the Lord. And finally, finally Moses says, stop, stop, we, stop, please don't bring any more. So when the preacher tells you to stop giving, you know where the, that you'll be in good, pretty good stead around here. Amen? And I don't think that's going to happen for a while. I just want you to know that. But then you get into the New Testament. And that's another message and another time that we could, we could preach about here. But that, 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 
that New Testament offering. That's the one you all are dealing with. This one, this one here is the, this is the faith offering. You know what I believe about this right here? I believe that if you'll make a faith promise, God will give it every bit back to you. Every bit of it. You know, a few years ago, this has been a few years ago now, Sandy and I made a faith promise. And, uh, you know, I'm the pastor, and, and I'm supposed to lead, and I led, and we made a pretty significant offering. And so we just started giving it every week. You know, we just, every week, just, I just put it in every week. I paid my tithe, and I put some money in the building fund because we were building buildings. And, um, and, and we built, in, in, in 21, 21 and a half years, but when I went to the church, we were on 10 acres, and we had the sanctuary, and they owed $500,000. And we built $1,750,000 worth of buildings over the ensuing years. And when I retired, we owed less than $500,000. God's people gave all of that money over time. Isn't that amazing? I was in an awful position at the church at one point, and, uh, and we were having a really difficult time. And I, I always took Fridays off, and I, I had to go in on a Friday to do some work, and I was just grumbling with the Lord. Now, I know your preacher never fusses with God, but I did, okay? I'm, I'm not a spiritualist, but I fussed with God, brother. <laughs> and we had a problem that I had to go outside and, and check on. There's a, there's a gas line that comes across the back of the property, and I needed to get the phone number off because I needed to call these people. And I got out there, and I'm just grumbling the whole way. I said, Lord, I'm in here to study, and I've got to come out here and take care of this problem, and I've got to get this phone. And I mean, I'm just talking out loud to God, just like I'm talking to you. <laughs> and I turned around, and I looked at the parking lot that needed to be redone. And I said, and look at that parking lot. And this is what I said to God. You, I, 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 I promise you I said this. I said, how do you expect me to run this church without money? Have you ever done that? I was pretty bold. I walk back into my office, and I'm sitting in my desk, and I look up, and I see this woman pull up in her car, and it's a widow woman. She's a young lady. I had just buried her husband about a month before, and I looked out there, and I thought, oh, no. I'm a real spiritual pastor at times. I want you all to know. You'd probably would want to fire me. Secretary buzzes me. So-and-so is here. I'll come right up, <laughs> smiling. How are you? It's good to see you. I'm just complaining to God in the parking lot. I'm grumbling because she's out there. She's a widow. She just lost her husband with cancer, brain cancer. She sits down in front of me. I said, oh, well, how can I help you today? She didn't say a word. She just rips out a checkbook. She writes me out a check. Are you ready for this? She handed me $100,000. Yeah, amen. So glad you came today. Glory to God. Come see me anytime you want to. This is fun. Oh, not only that, she says, you're going to get $13,000 a year for the next 10 years. I said, where did you get this money? She said, won't you let this out? He left me $2.7 million. When I retired, the general fund was never under $100,000. All I'm trying to help you to see today is just trust him. Just believe him. Just let him have his way. And I promise you that that verse, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I learned that as a young man. I mean, I, mean, I worked at Ford Motor Company down here in Sharonville. 
And you know, $120 a week doesn't go very, fat, very far. And I, I thought I had bought the farm when I paid $17,900 for my home. And the payment and taxes on that were $148 a month. Whew, wouldn't you love a house payment like that now? Amen. And God said, I want you to tithe. And I want you to give at least a dollar to either the bus ministry or the missions. Whatever you want to do, you put a dollar in. And I began to do that, and, and I, can, I, I can stand here and talk to you all day, and I'll not do that. The tithe is predetermined. Whatever you make, God deserves 10% of that. The building fund is sacrificial, just a total sacrifice. But the missions offering is a faith offering. Now let's get back to the Apostle Paul here. What would you have me to do, Lord? When he said... What wilt thou have me to do? And this is what I wrote down. He opened the door for the will of God in his life. And when you and I just say, what would you have me to do, Lord? And he shows us, then just do it. And watch what he can do for you. It's, it's amazing. Don't be afraid of it. I mean, hug it. Embrace it, believe it, trust it, allow God's power of his Holy Spirit to help you and to guide you in your lives. Why can I say that? Because the holy God of heaven who resides in your heart, if he asks you to trust him, if he asks you to believe him, if he asks you to do something, just do it. And that holy God, I can attest to you, I can show you, I can preach to you, I can take you to the scripture, I can give you all kind of testimony that God will meet the challenge. And I don't know what that is. It's different for everybody. But what I'm challenged to do, you're not challenged to do. But this is what I know today. By reverently, respectfully reading God's word, Brother Tom, we talked about that this morning. By reverently respecting respectively reading his word, by getting privately in the closet of prayer, through private as well as corporate worship, which is what we're doing here today, by the counsel of your pastor and the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God and serving faithfully and prayerfully, you may know the will of Almighty God in your life today. Saul of Tarsus, persecutor of the church, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Arise. Go into Damascus. There's a place on Straight Street, and we'll tell you the rest. Lord, what would you have me to do? Trust me. Believe me. Make your promise. Do it in faith, and I will take care of the rest for you. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy. And I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want you to see the end of Saul of Tarsus, who is now the great Apostle Paul. Are you ready? And I want you to notice in 2 Timothy 4. He's given his final instructions to his protege, young Timothy. Timothy would be the leader, would be the next Apostle Paul, basically. Verse 6, for I'm now ready to be offered. 
I'm writing in between the lines here. I'm in the prison cell in Rome. I'm old now. I've been beaten. About everything can happen. I've been in shipwreck. I've, about everything that could happen to me. For I'm now ready, Timothy, to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. And he did. I have finished my course. The word course there means race. I have finished my race of life. I've kept the faith. And henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. A crown of righteousness, church. A crown of righteousness. (laughs) Here's our word again. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love is appearing. Do you love his appearing today? No, come on. Do you love him? Are you glad you're saved today? Are you glad you're washed in the blood? Are you, are you happy today that the Son of God left all of heaven and came to this earth and bled and died on the cross for your sin? I mean, it's all forgiven. Your name is written down. And if he should call your name now, And I can't tell you how many funerals I've done. I've done hundreds and hundreds of funerals. Absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. Amen. The same Lord he's talking about. That's the same Lord that you serve and I serve and everyone else serves. All the people in the church tonight over there when they all come together. And I, you know, I really, I'm going to pray, God, bring everybody together tonight because the church needs to understand where we are. We need to stand up in this evil, wicked world that we're living in. I've never seen it. I'll soon be 73 years old. I I can't, some days I can't believe what I'm seeing in America. I can't believe what I see a president doing. I can't believe some of the things that are going on in this world. And church, we need to rise up. About an hour from here, Milford, Ohio, there's a cemetery. Greenlawn Cemetery. My first wife died of breast cancer. She's buried there. And her tombstone is there. And my tombstone is there. And it's a weird thing to see your name on a tombstone. Do you understand that? And my name is there. Howard A. Casey, Jr. And date of my birth is there. And then there's a dash. I stand here before you right now. I'm living the dash. I'm living the dash. And because you're here present today, you're living the dash. But one day, if the Lord tarries, they'll put your date on the tombstone. And I want you to understand with me. Just please understand with me this morning. I can see all of you just fine. It's he's crazy. I've got to have the bifocals. Lord, What would you have me to do? Well, arise and go into the city by faith, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. I've now fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them that love his appearing. Let's stand to our feet this morning. And if you would, just just stand and let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment of just 
contemplation. Let's just close our eyes and, and let's just in our hearts just thank the Lord for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you, Father, that I have enough strength to stand here. Thank you that we have a Bible, that we have a church and a preacher who tells us the truth. And Lord, you've supplied every need that I've ever, ever needed. And what a rich blessing it is, Father, to just stand before you. Take a moment to just thank the Lord for what he's done for you. Tell him that you love him. And if you have a need, ask him for the need. And ask him if you should be a part of this faith promise. And if you should, you know how to do the rest of it. Our Father, thank you for Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for the privilege of knowing Pastor and his dear wife. Thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to stand in his pulpit. And thank you for these good people. Lord, we had such fun yesterday together. And I thank you that we can meet together this morning in corporate worship, looking at your book, your Bible, the scriptures. We learned all about it in the first hour and how it came to us and why we have it. We're so thankful. Thank you for eternal life, the gift of grace and goodness. Thank you for this special time. Heads about eyes are closed. Are you saved? I mean, if you died today, you know without any shadow of a doubt that you would go straight directly to heaven because you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You know that. You know that. And you're the only one that knows that. If you are, would you just thank him for that salvation, that free gift of eternal life? Your name's written down in the book of life. And one of these days, you'll stand face to face and we'll behold him. It's going to be a glorious moment. Could be you're not saved. And today's the day that you need to be saved. I, see, I don't know you. The pastor does. We'll invite him in a moment to just take over this invitation. But just for a moment, if you need Christ, would you allow him to have his way in your life this morning? Would you take the opportunity to be saved? Howard, wouldn't you like to be saved? Yes. Howard, if you would just ask Jesus to save you, he would. Jesus saved me, and he did. You may need to join this church. You may need to follow the Lord in baptism. All those things are decisions that you and your pastor can make. Our Father, as we invite pastor to come now and finish this invitation, we pray today for this church. We pray for their faith. We pray, Father, that you would bless their pastor and their, his wife and family and or that you'd help them to, to work together, to strive together for the gospel. Father, might your will be done in this place, and might you always be glorified here. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the privilege to be together this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.